Mental health can be a difficult topic to talk about. I'd like to change that. I'm Marcus Pibworth and welcome to the Ministry of Change podcast. Hi, thanks for listening. This is the third in the special mental health stories series I've been releasing over Mental Health Awareness Week. But I'm going to continue to release more over the coming weeks and months um, alongside the usual uh, conversational podcast because I feel uh, it's appropriate because mental health isn't something that happens for a week once a year but something that we all have all of the time so continuing to create that space for people to share feels so important to me um, if you haven't listened to the other mental health stories um, this is a slightly different space to the interview uh, podcast in that I'm really just handing over the space for people to share their experience so I'm not going to be in there asking questions it's a, a chance for someone to share their experience of the world uninterrupted and for us to listen. I know everybody asks you this all the time and it's a real drag, but uh, it would mean so much to me if you could go onto iTunes and rate and review my podcast if you like it. Um, So I can find out that you like it, but also so I can reach more people. Um, So yeah, thanks a lot. That would mean so much to me. Um, For this episode, I'm going slightly over to the other side of things, and my friend Monique is going to share her experience of growing up in Canada with her mum, who has bipolar too, and the highs and lows that came with that for her and her family. I think how we relate to the world and our own mental health can be challenging. It can be a difficult thing to navigate and find the support you need, but something that can be easy to overlook is the stories of the friends and the loved ones who are out there trying their best to offer the support that is needed. And I think often in really strained conditions, being the person who is there to offer the support, I think could be just as much of a journey of discovery and learning as it is for the person who is experiencing the depression or the anxiety or the whatever it is. So, um, Yeah, uh, I'm going to hand this over to Monique to share her experience and then I'll come back a little bit at the end. But thank you for listening and thank you, Monique. So I, um, Monique Boucher, I grew up in Vancouver in Canada um, and I grew up with two younger sisters. So one um, six years younger and eight years younger than myself. And then my mom originally is from Scotland, immigrated to Canada, married my father, um, and they moved from uh, the city of Vancouver proper into countryside when they had me. Um, And so I agreed to speak um, with Marcus on this because I grew up with my mother who was diagnosed with severe bipolar two depression, um, I believe when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Um, And I think it's really amazing um, to be able to speak about my experience um, in case that it it helps other people who have parents or siblings or loved ones um, or anyone really who is diagnosed with any type of um, mental illness. Um, My mother grew up in a fairly, I would say, tough post-war household and had quite a few tragedies occur to her prior to the age of 30. Um, But I think her depression really kicked off when her mother passed away in Scotland and she was um, due with my littlest sister. And that's when I believe um, things changed for her. And so from the age of, I was about 11 or 12, as I said, um, when I started, when she started having episodes of severe depression. Um, And so I think my mother would have been around 40. So I would say for 12 years, we as a family went through a really hard time um, and, you know, she was in and out of the hospital, um, you know, t- tried to take her life a few times. 
And as a child, I remember being really upset and angry, but at the same time surviving because I had two little sisters to look after. Um, my parents were divorced in, in that time. And I think what I wanted to speak about in this episode and, and talk was, I don't know what it's like in, in other parts of the world, but in Canada, I mean, we have a really great medical system. Um, but when it, when it comes to mental health, I don't think we did really. And I remember my mom joining support groups um, for mental health. Um, my mom was a very um, functioning um, person with the illness, even on medications. Um, she's quite, um, she's, she's a go-getter. She's really strong. Um, and when she was joining these support groups, I remember going and um, picking, her, picking her up or meeting her and thinking, my God, some people are really just stoned out of their minds on, on drugs and, and shuffling around and, and seeing this. And I thought, you know, where, are, where is the support system for all of these people? There's this one little tiny home where people can, can gather. Um, and I guess it was a thread that I looked at as I grew up and lived in Vancouver in the city. Um, a lot of people on the downtown east side in Vancouver are absolutely impoverished and mentally ill as well. I worked with an organization that went into single room occupancy homes and um, people were living like zombies. And I asked, I asked the caretaker of these buildings, you know, where's the, the mental health? Um, where's the support? And he said they come maybe once a week for two hours. And this is one of the richest cities in, in Canada. So I guess the theme of my, my, my talk was really, I would love to see more support for families, more support for the people who um, suffer from mental illness and more integration to society. And I haven't taken the time to see how, you know, other cities um, or other countries treat people with mental illness, but I quite often think about it when I'm walking um, around in London and I see people sleeping on the streets and I think, do they suffer from mental illness? A lot of times there's a correlation with um, drug use as well. And so as a child, I didn't receive any support. I remember going to the hospital, visiting my mom, looking after my sisters, um, going to school, working and keeping it all together and never seeking counseling, never being offered counseling. I don't think my sisters were either. And it wasn't something my mom spoke about it. Um, and she tried to kind of integrate us into what was happening. But when someone goes into a deep depression, I mean, you, you can almost see it slowly happening and you don't really know what to do to pull them out because it's, it's um, especially when they're being treated with medication, I think it's a lot of the time it is chemical, what they're going through. But I saw clear um, signs and especially when it turned towards winter, um, she would go down more. And it was, it was interesting to kind of watch her over the years start, start to understand her illness. Now I think um, she's actually trying to reduce all of her medication at the age of 70 um, because she's finding that she's becoming too manic, which means that her depression is kind of balancing out more. Um, and so the drugs are overworking. And so at the age of 70, maybe she's going to more of a remission phase. Um, so it's, it's all quite an interesting disease. I guess one other thing I would say noticing through her, her life journey with this, it's a bit sad because it, I think she probably could have accomplished a hell of a lot more because she's um, a really smart woman, but then maybe out of four to five months every year, she would go into a depression um, <clears throat> and have to deal with that. And so how, at that point, how do you hold a job? How do you, how do you work um, through this? And again, I think benefits in Canada for people with depression, it's classed as a disability um, and it isn't a lot of money. 
so then you start dealing with the stress of of financial situations which does not help a person with depression um so i guess the theme really is how do we support people who have mental illness and then something i've noticed as well as people i mean if you look at history like charles darwin or michelangelo da vinci tolstoy you know i can go on like churchill dickens abraham lincoln um picasso more recently robin williams um jim carrey amy winehouse russell brand right all of these people suffer from depression and they've and or did suffer from depression isaac newton one of the most brilliant men in, in the world um they think he had bipolar autism and schizophrenia and so you look at this and think, well, depression is seemingly the number one killer in the world. But yet throughout history, these people who've had mental illness have brought us so much. And so I guess combining that with the story of growing up with my mom and seeing how there wasn't enough support to actually allow her to flourish in the world. Um, there wasn't enough support for the family to really, I think, understand and nurture what was happening with her and 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 understand how to support her. Like my little sister, my middle sister struggles so much with my mother and, and her depression. And I think if there had been, and there still is, I mean, they're both so stubborn, but there still would be time to go and figure out how do you communicate and interact with someone who is going through um, a depressive episode. So I guess what I would love to, to see more of in the world and, um, and probably hopefully one day help with this is how do we look at um, mental illness um, as something that brings creativity and brings difference to the world, which I think is what is beautiful. The world is all everything that can be different, um, but participate and have um, a positive outlook, even though it's a really hard thing to live with. But I, I'm pretty sure that people who have depression also have other gifts that people who don't have depression have. Um, it's a big statement to make, but I think there's this creative thread. Um, that you can see through history. And I, I've seen it with my mother. I've seen it with friends who have depression. There's a way of living a little bit differently that makes it really rich. Um, and I'd love to see our society kind of embrace that, create support um, and and just all together look at depression and mental illness in a different way. Um, I guess just going back to my experience, I've always tried to be the most supportive um, that I could. I think Yes, I was frustrated at times, um, you know, with different behaviors. I think I found the illness to be, um, and sometimes I would think, so selfish. Um, and that's probably anger because you just think, well, how could you take your life? You have three beautiful children who love you. Um, how, could you how could you try to do that? Um, but you have to, I think, understand that it's an illness that you will never really understand unless you have it. Um, and all you can do, and, and my and my my view is, is support as much as possible, and um, and be as strong as possible for that person when they need you. I mean, it made me really strong. I was the oldest. I I took a lot of my shoulders. I think um, I think I am more aware of of my own moods, and and sometimes I think, ooh, you know, I you know, this is. Some, I think there's a thread in my family that has a depression. I've, I've seen it in, um, in a few or I've kind of had a few conversations on, on that, that side of the family where, you know, there has definitely been um, a thread of, um, they're not sure, but there might've been a thread of mental illness um, kind of through my mom's side coming down. And 
I always think, you know, at, at what point would I know that I have depression um, myself? And so I'm always quite aware of mental health and um, having like a healthy lifestyle. One of the things like with my mom, my mom was like, why don't you work out? Why don't you eat healthier, drink more water, you know? And, and she gets, and we all do it to her. Um, especially, you know, like I was, I was saying to you earlier, like winter for me is really hard. I flourish in the sun. And I know from my mom that she does as well in some ways. And so, you know, these are like the basic things of, of looking after yourself is making sure that you aren't running yourself down, making sure that you aren't doing crazy amount of um, illegal substances, you know, like things that might change your brain chemistry. I'm always quite aware of um, being quite careful. Um, so I think, you know, I've, I've had a few friends who have mental illness um, I've also had a cousin who had mental illness. He took his life. Um, and so I do think it makes me more aware of the fact that a lot of people suffer from mental illness and a lot of people don't speak about it. Um, and I think just what you're doing is having these conversations and, and understanding that um, it's not just people like, you know, Jim Carrey or Robin Williams. It's, it's people all around us that are, are suffering at some point and they might hide it. Um, but at the same time, I also think it would be amazing to see how many people are doing absolutely amazing life, you know, world-changing things that have depression or could be because of this, this the way their brain is, is wired and functioning. Um, I think you can find in the highs and in the lows a lot of depth um, and f kind of far-reaching emotions. Um, I'm, I, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of just, assuming a lot of things, but just from the experiences that I had with people around me that have this, you know, the, the mental illness, but with the creativity, I think I feel disappointed um, that we aren't supporting people who are suffering um, and who are dealing with, you know, either being born with a brain that's different or coming down with a condition. And I think mental health should be looked at as a, as the same thing as if you're physically ill um, and have just as much support, uh, maybe it should have more. I think that I would love to look at other civilizations and how they treated people with mental illness um, in a positive way and what other types of treatments should be available besides um, medication or, or that you can use in conjunction with medication. Um, <clears throat> I guess I felt growing up that, um, what did I feel? God, I felt a lot of stress. Um, but I felt like I didn't have any other friends who were going through this and maybe I did, but I, maybe because I didn't speak about it openly, you know, as a 12 year old, when your mother tried to commit suicide and the ambulance shows up, I instinctively lied to the neighbors when they asked me what, what was wrong. And so what does that say about how open I felt about mental illness and about what was, what was happening. Um, and so I think having, again, like what you're doing is having conversations, allowing people to know that there's probably a lot of people around them that are dealing with um, something. I think having um, more conversations, having more support, having more government support. Um, I was at a, function back in Canada and I asked why isn't there um, 
more support for the downtown east side and people who have mental illness. And one of the counselors said back to me, we don't have the funding. And, and I think that, you know, why, why don't we have the funding? Um, <laughs> and I think it comes back to a lot of the times we're looking at really short-term solutions instead of putting money and time into um, what should be a long-term plan. Um, and that's, a, I, can, I think, a problem with our political system in, in, in general. You know, it's the whole Darwin survival of the fittest, right? But we're forgetting, I think, that people, everyone's different um, in one way or another. And there's different illnesses. There's different, I mean, even down to, you know, friends that have had children and have gone on mat leave and are coming back and they can't find work or they're made redundant. You know, um, that's happened to quite a few of my friends now that are having children. And I think it's because they're now not able to give 120% at work, right? And it's just capitalism. God, it's the corporation, right? And yet the corporations do, some of them do want to change. And so we're kind of in this cycle, I think, of not really embracing the holistic nature of humanity and all of the shades that it comes with. And I think like that's what I was trying to bring up, like Picasso and Van Gogh and, you know, I don't know, there's so many people and Tolstoy who've, like these people have fundamentally changed thoughts around the world for generations. And yet I didn't know until looking up that Beethoven had mental illness or Abraham Lincoln, you know, like it's, there's these, these massive people that have done like amazing things. And, um, and that's not to say that everyone who has depression is going to go out there and do something, you know, as a, as a, a Michelangelo did. But I think, um, just knowing that, just knowing that like someone who has bipolar depression or schizophrenia has actually changed our world. Yeah. I think that is um, a way to have like people in the world stop and say, oh, hold on a minute here. You know, that person who's now sleeping on the street who became addicted to crack, who was kicked out of their home, you know, lack of support, who came from maybe a shitty home and, and had started off with depression. Actually, at what point could we have stopped in society and helped that person? And then they could have gone on to change the world. You yeah. know, like every, every life matters. And I just think it's a very, maybe a grandiose way of thinking, but I was, when you asked me to, or when you said, you know, let's have this chat, I was like, well, what, where is the, the positivity? Um, you know, my mom is an incredibly... Um, emotional, um, deep feeler. She's sharp as hell. You know, she's seven years old and she remembers things that I look at her and go, how do you remember that? You know, how, how do you know this? Um, you know, she's, she's so, so, so sharp. And I think, my God, like if I had a quarter of that sharpness, I would be amazing. But she's, I don't even think she's aware that she's special in that way. Um, and, you know, she can beat me six times over in Scrabble. Um, and so there's this, there's this talent that she has with words that she's never used or, you know, she's the other day she said, I think I want to open a flower shop. And I thought you're 70 years old. How would you have the energy to start an entire new flower shop? But she's constantly um, needing, not needing to be challenged, but she's just better when she's doing and moving and um, socializing. I mean, she's, she's also Scottish. So I guess the socializing part is part of her culture, but um, it's, it's incredible to see her go down in depression then because it's just, it's almost like another person. Right. And, and yet it's not. And I think I also struggled with that when I was younger, where I was like, well, who is my mother truly? Because she's on these medications. Is it changing her personality? And I, I did go through a phase of what would my, who would my mother be if she wasn't on lithium for 10 years or if she hadn't been on, 
I don't know, whatever other drugs, right? Um, and also you worry about, I think, the, the, the physical aspects of these, of these chemical drugs that alter your brain um, and the addiction of it as well that, that I've seen her go through, right? When she's trying to reduce or adjust or change medications. Um, I don't think she's ever had a good psych- psychiatrist. I don't think she's ever had one that she's connected to. Um, and now she uses her family doctor, which I think is bloody scary, but at the same time she trusts him. Um, and I think she's become so self-aware in her moods and how she's feeling that she's able to kind of start to adjust meds based on how she feels. And that's taken her, what, 20 years to come to. Um, and I would love like if there's specialists or um, people that are doing alternative therapies for mental illness, I would love to, to understand that um, and, and, to shed light on that um, as a, a solution or not a solution, but as a, a method of treatment for people who live in the West, because I'm pretty sure it's whoop, off to a psychiatrist. Um, here you go, have some drugs. And I don't think that is always the best thing um, as a lifetime, as a lifetime medication. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's hard. I should, probably shouldn't say it's not the best thing because I haven't dealt with it. Um, but I would, I just, I feel like, um, going back to like the personality, you know, and and then I kind of had to come to grips of, well, this is my mother. um, And who am I to say that drugs are changing who she is or, um, and her personality. It was just, it was something I remember thinking of when I was younger. Um, So I remember, I mean, the first time my mother tried to commit suicide, I remember her looking at me. I was sitting on the couch. I was watching TV and she went into her bedroom and I remember she kind of, it was really, I'll always remember it. It was a really strange look. And then the next thing I know, maybe half an hour later, my dad ran out and, and of, you know, went into the room and ran out and called 911. And so at the beginning, absolutely not. She didn't talk about how she was feeling. Um, she sunk into a depression. I mean, I don't remember her sinking into that depression because I was young and it's it just a memory that pops to mind. Um, I think as she got older and she got more used to, when she was going down, she would very clearly say, I'm going into a depression. And, um, and, and that was easier for us to understand because it's the behavior change that you look at and think, I think there's something wrong, but she's, she's gotten better with it now um, of being open. And also I think she's just so much more aware of her illness and um, when her mood is changing. So and I think that's happened in her 60s. I think from 40, 50, I think there was a much more of a struggle um, for her. I think it could have also be the way that illness is cycling. So from my understanding of bipolar, it can cycle really quickly and you can go up and down, up and down. My mother is more down and it is a slower cycle. So I very much noticed that she would go down in like end of October, November when the light was also going down. And that's why I was always curious of the, um, the, the sad disorder, because what is it with this, the light that changes? And so she went and got a big, big, massive light and sits in front of it in the morning um, to help as well. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, my mom also has really bad stomach issues. She's got a really, really weak stomach. She's had massive surgery on it. And I also I remember speaking to someone who was um, just studying the intestine and how it relates to our mental health. And I think that's also quite interesting um, you know, that she's always suffered from this kind of gut issue. I just think, man, like there should be so much more that we know or can do for mental illness now besides, 
you know, popping, popping drugs. But um, I don't know. I don't know if it was a case of that, you know, the generation of here, this is it. You have, you know, bipolar, take these drugs, off you go. Come to the psychiatrist every month for a checkup. Or if other countries are doing things differently and um, have more of a holistic approach to what's happening to people. It was really interesting as a child going into a psych ward and being like, okay, so this is where my mom is now. And, and, and seeing her transition in that psych ward, you know, from being absolutely like taken off all the drugs, flat, you know, basically flatlined as like not speaking and then being brought back and thinking, my God, right? Like, what are the drugs that they're giving her and what, it, like, what are they doing to her brain? You know, and, and as, a, as a person, I think, as a younger, I think I was probably 16, 20, like I was old enough to, to really understand what was going on. And I was thinking like, she has no control right now. Like she's committed and they can do whatever they want to her to bring her to, to being healthy. And you have to be able to trust that system that they're doing the right thing. But at what damage are they, what damage are they doing? And, and how do you, they actually know what to give her. And I, I had all these questions, but really I just sat there and kind of held her hand. Right. Like, there's so much, um, I think, missing in the communication aspect with family um, and the medical system that I experienced. Um, I think this like blatant trust of of the system medically that what they're doing is the right thing. I mean, she 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 got better, so I guess they did do the right thing. But um, what if you know some people might not recover from that. Oh, I did have one friend in school. I did find out, um, and this is really interesting. Her mom had bipolar, but her mom went through the electric shock therapy side of things and she'd come home and she would not know anything and have to completely retrain her on how to like brush her teeth. And I found that out years after that, you know, someone close to me was going through a similar thing, but in a, a different way. She wasn't super close to me, but she was a friend of a friend, right? And And so that... I was like, oh, you know, I could have actually probably related to her if we had both spoken about it, but we didn't. There was a shame I felt as a child. Mm-hmm. I'm, like that's, you know, when I, when I was saying like the neighbor came over and I remember saying my mom had an allergic reaction. That's why the ambulance came to pick her up. Like I felt a shame of that my mother wanted to take her life. Like I didn't understand and, and, and that I should hide it from people, you know, that the neighbor was being nosy and I should hide it so that my mom didn't have to come home and have this stigma of she tried to take her life right and so i think what if what if i had been strong enough to say my mother's depressed she's suffering from depression can you support us as much as you can i think that stigma is really and maybe and hopefully it's going a little bit sorry i'm actually getting emotional just thinking about that like as a 12 year old if i had had that strength that would have been incredible Uh, a friend called me a while ago and he asked he was dating someone who has depression and she had gotten down and she started pushing him away pushing him away and he called me to ask me what he should do and I do think that's another thing I think that um when my mother was younger and going through it she did tend to push people away instead of seeking support and I think depression is something that you go through alone but as an individual you're you're alone in it but I think if people had um that support around them and, and that understanding how to support. I think that's the key. It's like understanding the best way. I don't, you don't know it. Right. And you ask that person, like, how, how can I help you? But when they're depressed, they don't know it. (laughs) So I think, I think that would be a really cool um, project of 
you know, speaking to people who are not currently in the depressive state, but who have come out and asking like, how, how do you, how's the best way to communicate? How is the best way to support you? Um, and I'm, it's probably different for different people, but I, you know, my advice to my friend was just be there, be there when she wants you to be there, you know, be loving, um, be kind and be patient. Um, but it's, it's really hard because there's also an anxiety of, is that person going to take their life? Am I not doing enough? Am I, am I doing too little? Am I not there enough? I mean, one of the hardest things I did was leave the country because I really always wanted to live abroad and not being there with my mom. Like now that she's getting and has gotten better, it was, and my sisters got older, it was a lot easier for me to say, okay, now I'm going to go pursue my life the way I want to. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I would, I, I think, I think there's a lot of individualism in our society and having the community around you, um, a community that is open and loving. Um, I think that is something that we need to rebuild in many, many ways. Thanks, Monique, for sharing that. Um, I know that these stories can be difficult to share. They can be painful at times to talk about. But I also think that they offer hope. I think the more that we share these stories of how we're experiencing life, the more we can begin to heal and have the empathy we need to grow together. As watching this video I talked about before uh, by a guy called Michael Stone, and one of the things that jumped out, he said, is around stories, is the more stories we have the deeper and wider we're able to see. And that really sort of rang true with me. Um, I think this isn't an easy task to do to share these stories, but it feels like a really important one. Um, so uh, if you'd like to contribute to any of these stories or any other part of my journey, then do email me at marcus at the ministry of change.org um, and check out more about my mental health journey around the UK in my little red van Um on my website, which is www.theministryofchange.org. Um, and yeah, as I said at the beginning, and sorry to come back and say it again, uh, but yeah, please do uh, rate and review and subscribe to the podcast if you like it. It would mean a lot to me. And also, finally, if you feel that you can, uh, you'd like to contribute to the supporting the project, then look at my Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash ministry of change and on there you get access to some bonus podcasts and um so extra content and uh, even the chance to chat with me if you want to <laughs> anyway um thank you very much for listening and i hope you come back here again soon goodbye <laughs>